Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of The Stride Effect. I am your host, Tori Simone, and today I'm super excited because I have not one, not two, but three guests on the podcast today. And these three guests are actually not involved in Stride itself, but they are in the fitness industry. They are three entrepreneurs, and that really resonated with me. And with the whole Stride mentality and with the Stride community, I know that you guys will also love it as well. So uh, our guests today, they go by Trio Fitness, and it is Khalil, Malik, and Ahmad Jones. Um, They are triplets that have their own fitness industry or I guess fitness uh, personal training business in Philadelphia, known as Trio Fitness, as I said. And um, yeah, they're just really cool guys. One thing that I was really excited about with this podcast was not only bringing the listeners an inside scoop of Stride, getting to know us a little bit better, getting to know the community, having us feel more connected than ever, but also talking to and interviewing other people in the fitness field. Um, And during quarantine, this is a really great time that I've been able to reach out to a ton of people um, and do interviews over Zoom. Now that we have a little bit more time, um, you know, everyone in the fitness industry is very busy all the time. So it's been really great to have a little bit more time on the schedule. I've interviewed a ton of other people, too, that are outside of the immediate Stride culture and Stride family, um, but all tie in together with our core values at Stride. And I think it's just really awesome to recognize other people in the industry and tie us all together and just know that, like, we're all connected and it's all one industry for the same purpose of making people feel their best um, and giving people the best version of themselves. So uh, yeah, the triplets today uh, really represented that well. And I was super excited to have them on the podcast. So I hope you guys are also going to love them. And I hope you guys accept them into the Stride family, show them tons and tons of love. They line up perfectly with Stride's morals and with our core values and everything that Stride stands for, they also stand for. They're super inspiring. I know a lot of listeners that don't come to the physical Stride studio are are um, one of the entrepreneurs, want to be in the fitness industry full-time. And the guys today have really great tips um, on how to get started, how they got started, and what they're doing to kind of pivot their direction in uh, quarantine during COVID-19. So yeah, I hope you guys find some value in today's episode. And without any further ado, I'm very excited to bring on the three guests for today, Malik Ahmad and Khalil Jones from Trio Fitness. What's up, what's up? It's Trio Fitness. Uh, my name is Ahmad. Hey, what's going on? My name is Khalil. Uh, my name is Malik, and we make up Trio Fitness. Uh, Trio Fitness is our health and wellness brand uh, company that we started when we were in high school. So I guess we were 18, so pretty much five years ago almost, almost six. And um, we specialize in personal training and uh, group workout classes, but really it's kind of started to evolve into a brand where it's a lot of just a lot of content online, a lot of motivational content, inspirational content, and then funny content as well. Um, So we really see ourselves as more of a brand as opposed to just personal trainers or just people who teach classes. It's kind of all wrapped up in there. And then we curate an experience that no one else can really give because there's three of us and we have such an awesome energy uh, between the three of us. There it is. is. And I can tell you that, I mean, I've taken Khalil's class and I haven't taken Ahmad or Malik's class, but yeah. Okay. 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 (laughs) But from what I can tell from both of their Instagrams and from Khalil's class, they do have great energy and um, they are really fun guys. So each of you guys work at studios in Philly. Do you guys want to talk about that a little bit where you work and how that sort of ties into your whole brand? Yeah, so uh, Ahmad speaking, and I work at Barry's, and essentially, 
um, all three of us were working at the same studio prior to uh, 2019. So after we graduated um, from from Penn, we uh, were working at we were working at Penn at the gym, and then um, eventually we kind of ended up all at the same studio, and we were at the same studio for probably about nine months or so. And after that, we started to split up. I went to Barry's, Flo went to Rumble, and Luke went to Unite, and that wasn't originally the plan until things just started happening. And um, I ended up going to Barry's first and then Khalil uh, and Malik also ended up splitting up. And after that, we kind of ended up expanding our net and kind of just opening up our network to so many more um, markets in terms of gyms. So the Rumble market, the Barry's market, the United market, and kind of capturing a lot of Philly because we split up so much. Um, so originally that wasn't, I mean, the plan was just to, just to grow and build. And eventually Trio Fitness ended up building as a result of us splitting up to go in different gyms. Yeah, I love that. And I kind of want to backtrack a little bit. So you guys mentioned that you went to Penn, um, which it's I, Penn's Ivy League, right? Correct, right. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. Okay, so do you guys want to talk about how you started at Penn, how you got to Penn, and how once you graduated, you've now taken a more entrepreneur route, which I think a lot of people that go to, you know, such prestigious, pristine colleges don't really do. I'd love to hear you guys talk about that. Um, so the, the way we got to Penn, I'll start there, Malik speaking. Um, the way we got to Penn was in high school, honestly, we didn't even really know what the Ivy League was. <laughs> we didn't know what that's, a, that's a big point. Yeah, yeah, yeah like point. We, we didn't even look at colleges until, it was like junior, senior year of high school, we started really looking at colleges. Yeah. But if you asked me what the Ivy League was, I was probably just going to say Harvard, Princeton, and Yale. And that was it. I really couldn't even tell you. Yeah, and, and, I, and I really, like, seriously just didn't really know. Um, and so then once junior year, year hit, you know, you got to start thinking about colleges and applying and everything, going on trips and stuff to see the campuses. And so then once we started to realize um, that we were going to need to pay for college, it was like, okay, well, how do we get to a school that can give us as much money as possible? Because, you know, fortunately, we were uh, fortunate enough to be able to attend really good uh, elementary, middle, and high schools. They gave us a lot of money and financial aid to be able to attend them. And then from there, it was like, cool, you know, we have to continue to do this once we get to college. We have to go to a place that has a lot of money because we just can't afford it as a family. Um, and so then we started looking into the really good schools, you know, uh, schools like Penn, schools like Harvard. Um, and they had a lot of money, obviously. And so then they can pay for the financial aid and stuff. And so then at that point, it just became, okay, which schools do we – realistically think we can get into. Um, we, I will say that our college advice, advice is kind of um, undershot our capabilities in the sense that they didn't believe that we could make it to the Ivy League. They were saying, yeah, like, these are going to be your target schools. These are going to be your reach schools, none of which were really super good uh, high-end schools. And then a good family friend of ours was like, yo, like I know you guys, um, you're, you're not really utilizing your talent. You're not really shooting as high as you could be. So he said, you need to be aiming for the Ivy League, really top-notch schools. And so we kind of adjusted our list from there and then just, you know, sent the applications in. Um, interestingly enough, we all got into the same schools and we got rejected from the same schools. Um, and we were able to get into Columbia and Penn um, as the Ivy League places that accepted us. And then from there, it was like, cool, we, we made it to a spot that can really give us a lot of money. Let's just decide. Um, and we knew we wanted to go to the same school, which is why we applied to the same schools. And then after that, um, you know, we kind of just all agreed that Penn was the right choice, and um, we we attended Penn. Um, I don't know 
if I left anything out. I, didn't, I, I don't want to like take too long on that part, but that was kind of the brief version. Is there anything else? No, I'd, I'd add something to that. Like yeah. just high school, I'm not I'm speaking again. Um, just in high school, like we, we were really about the hustle. Um, there was a, there was a point during senior year when we were doing all our college, college applications, um, common app stuff, and just like writing all these essays. And the three of us would drive to school together. And um, every single time it was like, waking up in grind mode, sleeping in the grind house. Like that was our <laughs> motto. And um, we did say that. You know, every, every single day it's like, we wake up, time to get it again. Let's go. It's a chance to rap for lyrics. Yeah, it's a chance, <laughs> a chance to <laughs> rap lyrics. I love that. Know? Waking up in grind mode, sleeping in the grind house. And, um, and that was just like the mentality because we knew that like college was not gonna happen if we didn't get the support we needed from the school that we were gonna end up going to. Um, which meant that grades had to be like on point, essays on point, extracurriculars, you know, GPA, everything had to be like on point so that we would get the, the support and the financial aid that we needed. Um, so high school, honestly, like junior and senior year was lunch was always like studying. Lunch studying was in the tap. library. Yeah, lunch <laughs> in the library. Like, I, I really didn't eat outside the library um, ever. Uh, we did sports in high school. So go to practice, go home, do your homework. And then go to sleep. And that was really it. Um, and there was definitely like times where it was like we definitely put social social life on the on the back burner. But I mean, like all of high school. Huh? Yeah, but like, <laughs> it was usually it was usually only of high school. But um, but it was like totally worth it because you know we got in these schools and then people people were talking like like hating hard like oh like the triplets took three spots from this school and like when it comes yeah. to like that the high school <laughs> we went to like like the you know the That's private funny. high school we went to. It's like everybody um, wants to go to the same schools. Columbia was a big one that people wanted to go to, like you know the the or like liberal arts colleges in like the Northeast. Um, but yeah, people literally said that triplets took up three spots. So like they only got in because they're triplets. So like and it's, and it's like yeah, like really we only got in because we're triplets. We're in the two Ivy League schools. Like that's yeah <laughs> because because we're related to each other. Like you, know, you can't have any weak links in that. That's what I'm saying. Like, so, you know what I'm saying. So like, why? Why um, were you guys working so hard to get into Penn? Like when you eventually like, wanted to go there and were working all the time to try and get in, did you have a goal in mind? Did you have a career that you wanted to to graduate with like a, a degree from there? Like what was it? It was the, it was the money. Yeah. <laughs> well, it that was, works. Yeah. So just going to like a school. Not, not the money we could make. It was the money that they could give us to yeah. go there. Yeah. Because it wasn't like um we, you know, Parents will instill that, oh, you guys should go to college for this, that, and the other kind of reason. And I think that was part of it. Like, okay, yeah, we, we definitely had to make sure we go to college together. And so there really wasn't like a, an alternative for us, not in a bad way, but just like a, in a sense of like, hey, like we're going to hustle as hard as we can because this is something that we have to do. So no matter what, we're going to get in these schools so we can go to college to do X, Y, and Z. Um, the plan after college wasn't necessarily, you know, um, determined before we got there. We were just like, hey, it's going to be good if we can set ourselves up by getting to this school or that school or going here or doing that. Um, but in terms of having a long-term goal at the end of high school for what we wanted to do or accomplish in college, it wasn't really there. I think part of it was just the mindset and the work ethic that our parents put into us. Our mom was, was like about the Harvard, like, yo, my sons are going to Harvard, this, is, this, that, and the other. We didn't go to Harvard. And, I, and I, our dad was a little bit less, um, uh, like Harvard, Ivy League, really good school kind of, kind of parent. But just in the sense of like, he was like, yeah, I support you guys. You know, I want you guys to work as hard as you can and, and do as much as you can. Don't sell yourself short based off of like what other people tell you. 
Um, so it was kind of just like, hey, we, we think we can do this, so let's actually pursue it as hard as we can and not, you know, leave anything on the table. And who instilled that mindset in you guys? Of, I mean, you guys kept talking about, like, you know, you skip lunch to have it in the library. You wake up and, you know, you yeah, grind. grind. Like, what's that mentality? Where does that come from? Did you grow up with it? Was your mom like that? Uh, that's Khalil speaking. I, I would say um, I would say a lot of it was just instilled in us um, from our parents. Um, I don't know. I feel like, I mean, that and just watching a whole bunch of motivational stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really do that before, though. Yeah, I, I know, guess. but like, it was still, I did a little bit when I was in high school, though, for sure. But, like, think about it, like, and and this is, like, no, um, no, like, shade to our parents, but our parents weren't exactly, like, top of their class. Like, it wasn't, like, it wasn't, like, that whole, oh, I've got to get straight A's mentality was, like, something that they grew up with. But I think just as parents, they were, like, we know you guys can do your best. We know you can do this, that, and the other. And, and every time, actually, we came home with, like, um, but like stuff that wasn't an A. It wasn't like there was a disappointment, but it was like, a, oh, you know, a B, that's pretty good. I know you could do better. Not, not in the sense of like, you need to be doing this, but I just know you could do better. And I think part of it was like them showing us that there's always an extra step that we could have taken or more potential that's there, which, meant, which had us kind of driven to, to push ourselves even harder. But I think at the end of the day, it was just like the fact that we're on a team together and we're constantly rubbing off on each other and like pushing each other to be better. So, I mean, our parents don't live with us now. Like, it's just the three of us. And it's our dynamic between each other, I think, that keeps us pushing forward as opposed to like, you know, talking to our parents, oh, you guys gotta make sure you're doing this or staying focused or whatever. Cause that, that's not really, that's not, that input's not really there. It's like the three of us are the ones that are pushing each other forwards. I think that's really where it, what it comes down to is that team aspect. Yeah, I think guys- a good word it. I think a good way to synthesize it is just our parents gave us super high expectations without the pressure of like not meeting the expectations. So it was like, cool. We know you guys can go so high. Like your trajectory is so high that when we did do things like whether it was one attract a track meet race or like, um, you know, come home with a straight A or whatever, it was more of like a, yep. Like that's kind of what I thought you would do anyway. That was the expectation. And then when we didn't do it, it was like, no worries. You know, you know, you worked hard. That's really what the main thing is. But there was never really a sense of surprise when we did something, you know, above average, above and beyond. And I think that kind of um, mentality towards it, it, it's not like it desensitized us to winning or anything. It just said, cool, we want this to be your expectation. Like, we know you can win because you have that type of potential. And um, I think that's kind of what, what helps us raise the bar consistently that it's just kind of our norm now to try and do that. Yeah. And you guys have really kept this mentality. Like even, I mean, now, like from the interactions that I've had with you guys, it's always been super driven and it's always just, I mean, they're really awesome conversations and coming from someone that's young in the fitness industry, talking to other people that are young in the fitness industry. It's really cool to hear your mentality and that it even started out when you guys were in high school. So I loved that. Mm Um, so when you guys graduated and then you kind of took a non-traditional route, um, how did you even begin to do that? It was hard. (laughs) (laughs) It's Khalil speaking. Um, Khalil speaking, you know, when we graduated, uh, when you see your friends (laughs) graduate and go on to make, you know, six figure salaries out of school, you know, and it's like, hey, we look at you like you're crazy for doing personal training at your school gym, (laughs) you know, it's like... It's not like it's a bad thing, but you know, you just, the, the, the company that you went to school with 
and then like you know where they went versus where you where like what kind of you stayed at where you went. Um, to me, it was like it was kind of difficult to sometimes reconcile that difference, um, and understanding that you know you really got to run your own race uh, versus kind of watching what everybody else is gonna do after their you know with their careers or like after school for them. Um, so I remember it was uh, it was um, this the summer before the senior year our senior year. Uh, Ahmad and I both uh, decided not to do internships. Um, and like, you know, internships, if you, if you don't know, internships at, at Penn are kind of like these like, you know, um, sort of big name schools are super, super important for the summer so you can secure jobs after um, graduation, right? So Ahmad and I both didn't do internships. Malik went to New York and did an internship for the real estate investment company. Um, and I think that was like one of the first places that we took a turn kind of away, um, at least like in a very visible sense or a very like concrete sense. Um, where I was like, you know what, I don't want to do another internship. I'm going to work for myself this summer and kind of make my own internship, right? So Ahmad and I ended up staying um, on Penn's campus for the summer before our senior year, working on Trio Fitness, working on doing online training, working on our first eBooks and like online materials, working on all these different things to build the brand um, that was very much our own internship versus kind of watching our friends go off to like, you know, be consultants or be analysts for the summer. Um, I think that was one of the first places we took a turn. And that was difficult as well. I mean, like, you know, Ahmad, Ahmad can kind of chime in on this. Um, we were not making really any money, right? I think we might have been losing money. You know, <laughs> we were using money that we had kind of just, like, saved up. Um, and to, to live in a sublet that was on Penn's campus, um, we were training every day. We were studying for our um, uh, ACE certifications. We were, doing, we were also doing online clients, um, trying to make some extra money. But mostly it was about building the brand over that summertime. Um, and it was tough. I mean, you know, eating like the the cheap foods, you know, from from the grocery store. You, you know, sitting in the cap, you know, sitting in the uh, in the subway with no AC. <laughs> like it was just, it was rough. Oh, I, think, I think there might have been a rat one time. You know, there were. <laughs> I, I was in the front. There was a couple roaches in there. Like I wanted in front, but you know, it was just it, that wasn't easy. Um, but you know, Malik. I think Malik also had a difficult time, even though he was at the internship, because it wasn't what he wanted to do, right? Yeah, I mean, I'll speak to I'll speak to my internship. So. Since I went to Penn's uh, undergraduate business program, their business school, you know, that is like, <laughs> if you want to talk about pre-professional, that is the essence of pre-professional in the sense that everybody gets an internship. People try to get their internships uh, the summer after freshman year. And for me, studying business and kind of seeing that route and kind of understanding that my opportunity, I also had opportunities there if I wanted them, I had to personally try for myself. I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to just complete to reject that path without knowing for sure that I didn't want to do it. And so every summer dur during uh, college for me, I was either working, I was mostly working in real estate. So I did two internships in real estate, corporate real estate, where it was all about investing and stuff. And so that summer that they were in Philly, I spent in New York and, and you know, it, it was fun. Like I enjoyed it, but it wasn't, um, I realized that I was becoming more exhausted working in the office all day, you know, from, uh, 8.30 to 6.30 and then come at home. And I was also still studying for my personal training certification too. So I would come home, maybe take an hour to eat dinner and then study for my personal training cert and then go to sleep, wake up, go to the gym and do it all over again. Um, but every single time I was in the office, I was having these conversations with people I wasn't really interested in and like talking about stuff that was cool to me, but it wasn't like, wow, I could totally see myself coming back here. Like after the summer, I, I really didn't want to go back, but it's easy to convince yourself to go hard for an internship when that's what everyone else is doing. And so then I decided to go hard for 10 weeks. 
I mean, I was grinding. Like I was in that thing working on Excel spreadsheets. I did a whole bunch of different trainings on how to use PowerPoint, Microsoft, uh, Excel, understanding all that stuff. And it was cool and I was making good money and I was eating really good food. I was going on client dinners. I was going on site visits. Like I was doing the corporate real estate thing, but it was, um, I realized when I would see them on Snapchat and like Instagram stories and stuff that they were having more fun than me. Cause you know, they might've been eating. What do we look like? They, they, <laughs> they looked like they were having fun. Like, what, what? We, was, we was sitting on the couch in our pajamas, <laughs> eating, uh, eating pasta, eating protein pasta. <laughs> Candy. 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 Really extravagant uh, nights out. I'm going to the club. <laughs> I bought a couple <laughs> tables. But I'm telling, like, you know, I just, I did yeah. the thing that you do if you work in that job, and I have my weekends just like they did. But it just wasn't, um, it wasn't for me. And so then, you know, after that summer, I realized it just, it wasn't gonna work. And then I really did want to pursue fitness. But in my case, I made sure I just didn't want to, I didn't want to not explore the corporate side before going into fitness full time. So for me, it kind of solidified my love and passion of going to fitness. And yeah, it's super interesting that a lot of people have that, the taste of the corporate world and then they realize like they don't like it. Like for me, when I was, you know, I think I was 17, I moved out to LA and I wanted to be a YouTuber full time. I was like doing the whole YouTube thing. Went out there, I was like, oh my God, this is not for me. And then I came home and realized I need to change my whole life path. And sometimes just like that little dip of, you know, for me, it was LA, for you, it was the corporate world. It like totally changes where you're going. So that's really cool. And when you guys were talking about how you were like eating like canned foods and ramen pretty much, Mark Cuban- (laughs) said on it or sorry protein pasta um Mark Cuban <laughs> said on an episode of shark tank one time and it just reminded me of this there was like a guy who um was on there and he was asking for i think like a hundred fifty thousand dollars like not a crazy amount of money for that show whatever and mark was like what are you going to use it for and he's like you know it's going to be for my salary because i need to move i need to do this i need to do that da, da, da. and mark's like if you aren't willing to literally live in a box and eat canned foods for three <laughs> years at least for your business like you don't deserve to be an entrepreneur and that's yeah. so true. And like, I feel like you guys really do have that mentality that like either the business is going to thrive or you're going to thrive and you're going to choose the business before you choose yourself. And I think that's the right yeah. mindset to have for any entrepreneur. Yeah. And then um, we, so the summer after we graduated, um, so those, those are things leading up to that, that final summer. But after we actually graduated, uh, we were in a situation where we had personal training jobs at Penn's gym but it wasn't really making that much money. And um, I think we were just, we decided to use the graduation money that people had given us um, to pay rent in a sublet for the three months of summer. And we were like, okay, you know what? If we, um, if we can find a way to make enough money, build our business within three months, um, then we'll stay in Philly. And if not, we might go home. So Obviously, three months, not a lot of time, right? <laughs> to, to build up your business in hindsight. And sustain yourself. And sustain yeah. yourself. So it was, we graduated in May. So June, July, August, right? Three months or so, a little over three months. Got to the end. Wasn't making no money. Like, same situation as before. We were still uh, working at Penn's Gym. We had tried a couple different things in terms of branding. 
um, content creation over the summer, but um, nothing that was like, you know, banging us money like that. So still decided to stay in Philly. Um, but what was our, we had like an assumption that was going to happen. <laughs> so like, I mean, we assumed we were going to start making money. Like yeah. something was going to happen. We, yeah. I mean, I don't even think we had a real concrete, like we were just like, yo, Trio is going to blow up. In this amount of time, in this amount of time, we have to we have to do it or else we go home. We but we were also set. We were like, look, somehow we're gonna go to New York. Someone's gonna want us to come up there and like train with them at their gym. Like we, I mean, we were convinced. Yeah, we were convinced <laughs> something, something was gonna happen. happen. Right? It was, you know, it was about the process, though. Yeah, you know, we were putting yeah. the work. No, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. We were definitely putting the work. We in, said yeah. like it was just waiting for an opportunity to present itself. That's yeah, what yeah, we were waiting for an opportunity, but you have to have money to wait for an opportunity, right? <laughs> so. Um, December rolls around and that opportunity finally comes um, and we all get offers to the same studio and um, we, you know we interview and, and end up all accepting the job and stuff and, uh, and that's kind of our first step into this more high-end boutique kind of fitness that you know is in downtown Philly right now and um, and so that was that was kind of like the opportunity we've been waiting for we were still at that point we actually were making enough money to make sure we could afford our own place. Um, and our place was definitely cheap, but we were affording <laughs> but we could afford our own place. Um, and then that's kind of how we really took our first quote unquote professional step into the fitness industry. And from there, we just expanded. And um, literally our number one thing was, there's three of us so we can meet everybody. So every event, every free workout, trying to make it around to every gym, meet every single trainer, and just get trail fitness out there. And honestly, at the beginning, that wasn't the goal. We were just we're just social guys that like to go out and have a good time and meet people. And so we ended up going to all these different places and kind of casting that net. And slowly but surely, we kind of started to build our own name up in the Philly fitness community. And people were commenting on it like, yo, like where did these triplets come from? It's like overnight, they just like appeared. And now they're like here at these different gyms or whatever. Um, and then fast forward, so if that was January of 2019, fast forward to January 2020, um, it was a uh, Philly Mag, had a Philly Mag article. And from there, it just like started getting looks from the news outlets. Um, and that kind of like even spiraled into Good Morning America. So just like that summer, I think it boils down to actually staying the course over that summer and like. And like it was, I mean, we were taking hits. Like, <laughs> it's not like we were enjoying. It was, it was enjoyable, but it wasn't. We knew we wanted to actually get to a point where we were actually living the lifestyle that we wanted to. And we're not there yet, but at this point, way I, better. Yeah. And, and at this point, our friends see us. Our friends that took that corporate route, even if they didn't want to, um, but because it was the the thing that everybody else was doing, our friends that took that corporate route or took that job or um, did something that they thought was right for, for the culture around them, but not for themselves intrinsically. Um, they're the ones telling us, wow, you guys are crushing it. You're killing it. You guys have so much fun. I see your Snapchats and this, that, and the other. You guys are having a good time with it. And we're like, we just did what we wanted to do. Like, that was just something that we followed our passions. But, um, but at this point, like, I wouldn't trade any of the, you know, the last two or three years for anything because of the enjoyment that I have when I do my job now um, versus what it could have been if Malik, for example, had stuck with real estate investment, doing something he knew he didn't really want to do, but what everyone around him was telling to do. It would have been duo fitness without Malik. Yeah. <laughs> yeah duo fitness what? What? The one. <laughs> so what is like the ultimate goal for Shiro Fitness? 
Ah, uh, yeah, I can say, you know. Um, it's Khalil speaking. Um, so I think there are a few different goals. Um, I think one of the biggest ones uh, is attaining a certain level uh, of an icon status. What I mean by that is this. Um, having the influence and the impact on the world that people like The Rock, Will Smith, um, Barack Obama. I say those three people because I think, you know, they're very well known in terms of uh, their impacts. Um, and then just, you know, they're nice people, right? And they're nice people that you want to kind of like, you know, aspire to be, look up to, and kind of inspire people. Um, I think, you know, we want to reach a certain level where we extend beyond just fitness, right? So right now it's not just like, we're not just doing workouts, you know, we're also making TikToks, we're also doing MC or hosting events, right? We're also doing all these different things where the brand is much bigger than what we are on paper, right? So on paper, we're group fitness instructors, personal trainers, that's what we're certified in, right? But, you know, to openness, we see it as so much bigger than that um, and that it's going to be much bigger than that. So definitely, you know, one of the goals is attaining a certain level of icon status where we extend beyond just the, the fitness industry into other industries as well. Um, another one that I, that's big for me that I always talk about um, and that we all have agreed on is getting into the educational space where, you know, we started out with health and fitness because we wanted to, A, it was fun for us. We're like, you know, pretty good at it. And then we also wanted to help people, right? So we think that, you know, the best career is being able to be paid and make, make a living from helping somebody else, right? I don't actually see any other career that's better than that um, or any kind of way that you can, that you can, you know, make that better because if you're getting paid to help somebody, like you're impacting somebody else, but you can make a living that way. So um, also kind of getting into the educational sphere um, and helping people out in terms of how do you um, properly set up uh, elementary school nutrition and, and, you know, athletics and, and that kind of education where it's no longer, um, but is it not preventative? Uh, what's the opposite preventative? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like reactive or something? Yeah, I guess like reactive, um, uh, what is it called? Um, if somebody's already kind of unhealthy, right? Trying to help them out of that sort of like space versus preventing that in the first place, right? So how do you kind of help somebody with the nutrition in the first place? How do you help them with the proper exercise routine in the first place versus kind of like, you know, having somebody develop, you know, certain different ailments um, where it's like this could have been prevented with proper nutrition or proper exercise on a regular basis, right? It was like, how do you instill healthy habits into somebody um, early on uh, and kind of like make them feel good their entire lives for just trying to play like this game of catch up, right? So I think, you know, in terms of uh, medicine, right? You know, it's like food and exercise and be your medicine. You know, all these different elements that people have to go to the hospital for could, could you know, kind of be helped with um, exercise and proper nutrition. So I think that, um, uh, certainly getting to the educational space would be awesome for us. Um, those are my top two. I don't know if you guys have any other ones or... I'll say, um, so, Malik speaking, so when I, during this time in quarantine, I, I really had a chance to kind of sit back and just think, you know, what is it that we want to do and kind of having to pivot in everything in terms of just not being able to do uh, personal training and group classes in person right now. I tried to understand what the best way is for us to move forward with our passions and kind of set a career path for ourselves. And so then it just kind of got me thinking like, you know, how do we, uh, what would people pay for? Also, how do we provide enough value? Like kind of, you know, all those questions. And then it kind of just led to me understanding what do, can we give people that pretty much no one else can, or how do we help people the best um, that in other ways that people can't normally help other people. So basically, how do we help better than everyone else? 
solve a specific problem or provide specific value. And to me, the most uh, positive feedback that we receive is always, oh my goodness, you guys, energy, your positivity, your motivation, your drive, like all of that gives something to someone else where there's a lot of value there. So it's more of like an experience that carries someone through the rest of their day or it kind of gives them the motivation, the inspiration to kind of be better. And our whole you know, uh, idea is just be greater. And so then understanding how to package that, and I'm, I'm still not sure how that is yet, but I think that this time of quarantine has allowed me to understand that people really enjoy the positivity and the inspiration that we provide because with the TikToks that we've been making, with the dance videos, with the workout videos that we've consistently been posting, we've gotten so much good feedback because it's been able to help people through the stress, the mentally stressful times that is, you know, quarantine and who knows how long it's going to last. But I've developed this idea where it's just how do we best help people? I think it's going to be through some type of positivity, you know, energy, just the three of us have a certain um, energy about us that can help other people get through tougher times and stay positive and stuff. Um, so that's also my ultimate goal is just like, what's the best way we can help people? And then how can we package that into something that people can actually get on a regular basis. Again, I'm not sure what that is yet, but that's kind of where my head is at after, you know, these last few weeks. How have you guys been um, adjusting during COVID? Because obviously our, my business too has been stopped since the quarantine had to start. What's that like almost a month and a half ago? And like you said, we don't know how much longer it's going to be going on. So how have you guys kind of adjusted everything to keep your business going? And, you know, out of sight, out of mind is such a thing. So besides the content, how are you guys like staying relevant and getting clients and still making money during this time? Because it's how we live. Well, I think uh, this is a mind speaking. I think part of it is just having that perspective shift and not dwelling on things that you can't control. Like there was a point where everyone, and probably the first week, everyone was like, you know what? This probably won't last that long. Um, we're going to be, it'll be fine. You know, people were still going out, people, you know, our gyms were still open and then stuff started to shut down. And again, there's still kind of a lag period. Like, okay, well, you know, it's not going to last that long. You know, we're only going to be officially closed for two weeks, but you know, now two weeks turns into four weeks. And then now we have dates set all the way up to the end of May or whatever. Right. So in some places, so it just kind of depends. But I think just having that perspective change and doing it fast enough where it's actually effective enough to get you to, to stay motivated and not kind of get dragged out. Um, because we didn't really waste any time when it comes to, accepting okay we're going to be quarantined um yeah we can't teach classes in studio so what are we going to do well you know what let's just do a live stream we've been thinking about doing live streams for a while so let's go ahead and start doing that or hey we've actually been sitting on this online training program for so many months and now here's the perfect time to release it because hey people people actually need it now and in a sense i kind of repackaged my um my understanding to like um in terms of the online stuff like you know what this is actually something that people need right now. It's not like it's a downgrade from what I was giving them before. It's just like, yo, people have to stay fit no matter what. And I'm actually someone that can provide that in a safe, manageable, effective way. Um, so it's almost like health and wellness professionals have a duty to make sure that they're giving out, doing what they can to keep people healthy, happy, and in good spirits, because that's kind of what we do on a regular basis anyway. Um, so for us, I think just shifting the perspective and the mindset and actually hopping on, hey, it's going to be quarantine. Doesn't mean we can't still have fun. Doesn't mean we're not having a good time. Doesn't mean we're not helping people. We're just doing it in a slightly different way. And I think that mindset shift is probably the most important thing that all three of us were kind of 
able to accomplish pretty quickly. And it's not like we enjoy being in the house all day or, um, you know, we, know. we actually TikTok really appreciate say otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> you guys well, seem to have fun. But, well, it's the TikToks are fun, but I, I'll tell you now that during the, those filming times, that's when we're together, like, you know, for whatever, one or two hours. And after that, everyone splits up. <laughs> but, um, cool. But, it's, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think for us in our business, it was just about um, that pivot and pivoting quickly enough to continue to make money and keep people interested in Trio Fitness. Um, and now more than ever, social media is just being flooded by everybody. I literally cannot log on without seeing four or five, six live streams going on at once. <laughs> but um, but just making sure that you're still putting out the quality content and the experience that you were doing before. And, and I guess it comes down to delivering the same experience you were able to give in person online now that people need it more than ever is the thing that's going to keep your business um, going and your brand relevant. Uh, because there are people that don't, and it's not just fitness, it's everything, but there are people that don't know how to give that same experience or that same vibe through a virtual space. Um, and that's fine because it's not easy to do, but having the skill to turn that is something I think I've seen your live streams, like you're still doing stride classes on Instagram live. Like I, I was watching and I was like, oh, like she's hype. Like, like, <laughs> Thanks. like I'm hype. I don't have a bike. I'm on a bike right now. I watch this live stream for this hype. Yeah. Like she's got the energy, right? So I think that in itself, the people that have learned how to do that the most effectively are the ones that are um, both optimistic and positive about being quarantined and ones that are still generating and keeping the business going. And you guys think that you have that? Yeah, we got 100%, that. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I know it's right now everybody is coming out with an at-home workout of what to do at home. And, you know, it's always like, well, then who should I choose? Do I go with like the Instagram model that has a big ass and a flat stomach? Or do I go with like right. the personal trait? Like who, who do you go to? So uh, I right. guess that like, what is the thing that sets you guys apart? Is it your mindset? Is it, what is it? I'll, I'll say, um, so we were already doing group boot camps before this anyway. So now we've actually had the opportunity to do live streams together. And so just off the bat, we have something no one else has because we're identical triplets. And so we've worked in three different gyms that specialize in different types of work exercise. So Khalil can incorporate some of the stuff he's learned in terms of boxing. Ahmad can incorporate some of the um, programming methods that he's learned from Barry's. And then I can incorporate a lot of the strength stuff that I've learned from uh, Unite. And so then the three of those together, we've been able to make a workout that no one else can do because most people in the industry don't have all three of those skills in the same ways that we do. And so then we just rotate off. So then that's something that kind of really sets us apart. But I think another thing that I've noticed about a lot of the live streams, and I haven't seen yours or anything, or you know, a lot of people's, mm -hmm. but a lot of people don't put in the effort required to actually do a quality live stream. So they'll just set the camera up, but they won't have like their playlist picked. So then they'll say, cool, let me just put on a random song. Or, like they won't kind of, align it to the cardio that they're going to do later. And so I've noticed that that really, in my opinion, will set apart the workout. Um, I think people who are used to high quality still want the highest quality that they can get across the stream where I can tell when someone took five minutes to set up versus, um, you know, a half hour to figure out what the workout's going to be, what the music is going to change, when they're going to lower the volume, when they're going to raise the volume, all that stuff is stuff that we've already been doing before anyway. And so we've now applied that to the live stream. And I think that sets us apart because it's more organized and it's more clear. 
as opposed to the person who just decides to go live when they're going to work out and then say, cool, well, let's do this today. I can see it. You know, I think that's something that people aren't used to doing, but we're used to putting in the extra mile and that sets us apart on the live stream, on the workouts that we give. And I also think it's part of, partly a mindset where you got to stay in your own lane because at this point, and it, it was true before, but it's especially true now, there are literally millions of free workouts, videos, online, whatever is that people have access to anyway, right? So I think with us, it's about realizing that you, don't, you can't compete with everybody and it's, you shouldn't try to compete with everybody because somebody's always gonna be better at this, better at that. Or Nike's, Nike's doing free workouts. They have a free workout app and they've got world-class athletes or world-class you know, Nike trainers doing workouts on that app so yeah you could follow the nike app or you could follow someone else whatever it is but um people have to realize that if you stay in your own lane and realize that nobody literally nobody is better at being you than you and that's the thing that sets you apart that's the point where you start being successful but if you're constantly thinking about oh but you know nike's doing this or such as nike's not worried about you like nobody else is worried about you right um i'm not worried about stride stride is a spin studio true fitness does this and it's, and it's not even like a a competition thing like and that's part of part of the thing this is kind of a tangent now but um that's one of the issues i think when it comes to anything fitness or otherwise is that people don't realize that everybody can eat everybody is, can be successful because again there are millions of things everywhere it's not like because someone goes here they automatically aren't gonna go to you or you're not gonna get the same type of reception from that right so when it comes to doing all this stuff online, stop worrying about everybody else and realize that the reason people go to your classes is for you. There, there are a whole bunch of different types of boot camps and, and workouts and various classes and boxing classes and spin classes. But people go to Stride because they like Stride. They like the people that are in the Stride studio, right? People go to Barry's because they like Barry's. People come to Trio because they like the three of us together, right? So realizing that you are the only person that can be you, I think is one of the biggest assets that we have. Um, I mean, obviously like, you know, yeah, we're triplets. Most people aren't triplets. That's not, that's not the point, right? Part of it is just the energy and understanding that we act and we behave in a way that everybody else doesn't. And it's not saying that it's better or worse than anybody else, but just knowing that you are who you are, that's what attracts other people, which keeps me, I, I sleep great at night knowing that there's all this competition out there because I know that I'm the best at what I do being me. You could teach the exact same class, but I'm gonna teach it my way, and people are gonna come to me because they like who I am as my personality, right? Um, I think that's something that that we have is just knowing that we are who we are, and it's not like we're competing against other people to be somebody else, you know? Absolutely, and it's not like you guys are out. It's not. It's not like you guys are out here reinventing the wheel of personal training. It's not like I'm out here at Stride reinventing how spin is like it's it's a dime a dozen exactly like everybody can do what we're doing it's literally a dime a dozen people come to you and people come to us and that's I think where a lot of people get caught up is that they always try and be you know original or better than whoever's next but it's like if you just focused on yourself and focused on your brand and your business and you know, can you deliver the best thing class possible? Can you deliver the best Unite class possible, Rumble class, Bears class, whatever it is possible to make people keep coming back to you? Like that's what's going to make you successful because we're all doing the same thing at the end of the day. It's all fitness, you know? So yeah, no, no one's making a new exercise. 
<laughs> right, exactly. Like there's only so many compound movements that you can do. There's only so many, you know, sprints you could do on a bike. It's the energy that you deliver. It's the message that you deliver. It's the feeling that you leave people with. And I think that's what keeps people coming back is like how you make them feel. Are they empowered? Are they excited to come back? Do they want to bring a friend? Are they scared and want to run away? Like what's the feeling that you leave them? And I think at the core, like it's, I mean, I was talking to Rachel about this. It's really a service industry. Yeah. It's for fitness and you know, health and wellness and that's all great, but it's really a service. You're providing a service to a client. They're paying for it and it better be the best service you can possibly get. There it is. Um, how old are you guys? 23. Okay. 24 at the end of May. Got it. So we're all young here. Um, being young <laughs> in the fitness industry, uh, do you guys think it's hindered you in any way? Has it been hard to make a name for yourself? Do you feel like you're reputable in this industry or has it kind of just been smooth sailing? And you guys are guys. So I'd love to hear your perspective on guys versus as a girl. Cause I definitely think that's different too. I think um, it's Khalil speaking. I think for us, it's not like we just hopped in it, you know, yeah. when we joined these gyms. <laughs> like, we've been – so it was funny when Ahmad said um, uh, a lot of people are like, oh, man, like, these guys came out of nowhere. I'm like, no, nah, it was up the street, you know, <laughs> for the past four years. So, you know, at Penn, we were doing boot camps since we were sophomores, right? Yeah. Well, but we've been doing boot camps since we were end of high school. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been much longer than just teaching at Rumble Berries and Unite we've been the gym before that. So I think, you know, coming into, um, coming into the downtown fitness industry, the boutique fitness industry, we were very prepared um, because we've been teaching so many classes before that, right? Now, what I didn't realize was how much more I had to learn uh, once I got downtown and once I got into these new gyms. But at the same time, I think it made it so much easier for us to learn those things because we've been doing it for three or four years before that. Um, and kind of doing, you know, different client sessions and meeting different people um, and, and using different training modalities to, to you know, to, to um, give clients the best workout. So I don't think that we had just kind of like popped up when we were 23, 20, you know, 23 in this industry. We've been doing it since we were 18 and 19. Um, so I think that helped us really kind of like establish our establish ourselves in the industry downtown um, because it wasn't like we were super, super green. We were just green to that, to that certain, you know, clientele and to that certain population we've been doing it for a few years before that um i think that's what helped us kind of establish ourselves um relatively quickly downtown and kind of into the new industry uh versus taking a longer period of time it's because we already kind of knew a lot of the basics and from there it was about refining um our, our skills and learning new ones if we needed to in terms of boxing or in terms of you know teaching a double-sided class or teaching uh, you know two different workouts um back to back one after the other because at first we just been doing group workouts all together. It was kind of the same thing um, for like, you know, 30, 45 minutes. But after, you know, you, you kind of get to these new gyms where it's like, all right, you got to do this kind of structure and learn that, you know, a ladder is this, an accumulator is this, um, you know, just different kinds of structures of, of uh, fitness. After we learn those things, which actually didn't take that long to learn. Um, after we learned those things, it was like, all right, we can really run with this and make the best possible workout that anybody has seen downtown. So I don't think it took us that long to establish ourselves because we'd already had the experience of working um, in fitness before we even got downtown. It's kind of like the bigger, the bigger, uh, 
I guess the bigger fish, you know? Yeah, and I don't really think we realize that we're on average actually younger than most people because our clientele at Penn was people at Penn. So it was other students, people our age. But then getting into the Philly fitness scene and kind of downtown, I think that's when I realized that, wow, we're actually kind of ahead of the game when it comes to being in the situation, being in the position to work at these upper level um, fitness studios. Because when I started kind of realizing, wow, everybody here, except for a couple of people, so a couple people are actually um, older than me. And that's not, you know, a good thing or a bad thing. I just realized that we're a couple steps um, ahead of the game in the sense that we figured out what we wanted to do early on and started working at it earlier. I mean, because really we've earned our stripes. We've been doing fitness for six years, if you count um, the very first, go back to the very first boot camp that we did. So when it comes to actually being in the game and being having that experience, we've actually had it and probably have more of it than a lot of people do that are older than we are. Um, so I think the age itself, I don't feel like I've been hindered by it. I just thought it was a surprise that um, that we were younger than everybody else. <laughs> no, I like oh, actually, that. Go ahead. No, go for it. You got it. I was just going to say I liked your mindset because a lot of people look at it as a disadvantage, but I like that you look at it as if they're ahead of the game. Yeah, and I'll say, I, I don't even, honestly, I don't think age matters at all. Yeah. The only reason I would say age matters is if someone isn't treating you with the correct amount of respect based on the fact that maybe you're younger. Um, but I don't think that should be an issue. And everybody's different. You're going to experience different things, uh, different barriers. But it shouldn't be an issue if you put the time and the work in to get to a specific point. So, um, you know, a lot of people haven't had experience with public speaking. Um, a lot of people haven't had experience with just being super social, being outgoing. I think we've already had to do that based on some of our experiences growing up. And so uh, even this is identical triplets. A lot of people will come up to you on the street and they're like, hey, like, you know, you guys, twins, triplets, and you have to get used to telling your story, um, you know, kind of putting a smile on your face. And I'm not saying I'm not saying being fake, but you just understand kind of how to interact with people. I think we had to grow up and learn that pretty quickly just by nature of the fact that we are triplets. And then also, you know, we had to, I, I personally invested in a, in a class. I didn't buy it, but at Penn, I took a public speaking class my freshman year because that was something that I wasn't good at and I did want to get better at it. And so then teaching classes at Penn, teaching boot camps, et cetera, all of that built up the necessary skills to be able to go into high-end boutique fitness once we graduated. I didn't know that was going to be the plan, but I think people would say, wow, you guys just jumped in the game and you were so good at it. But it's the things that led up to it. We've had years and years of um, unconscious experience at public speaking, at networking, at kind of understanding how to turn, you know, the smile and the charm on here, kind of give more energy here, understanding even tonality and stuff like that and kind of just raising the level um, when we need to. Yeah, just start to tell me for a second. Yeah. I think, you know, specifically um, at Rumble, what I never expected was to be speaking on a stage, you know, telling someone to do ones and twos with a mic. <laughs> You know, it's like, yeah. so I'm on a stage. I essentially have a podium in front of me, right, where I have my computer and, like, you know, the, the music set up. I've got a mic, and I'm doing this kind of pr this public speaking, you know, two or three times a day, almost every day of the week, right? So I just thought, you know, like, you think about all the skills that you kind of built up with, you know, speaking in class even, right? Or like, you know, give me a presentation. Um, and, you know, you understand that if you went to, like, you know, a certain school like that or you had the, you had the exposure early on, um, it might be easier for us to jump into these new roles a little bit, you know, a little bit quicker. Sorry, you say. Um, but yeah, I just don't think age matters. It's all about experience. 
and the people that decided to go into the corporate world or whatever before going into fitness, they have equally a great amount of experience that they got from that. It's just that they might not have understood how to leverage it just yet. Um, you know, I'm sure they understand how to effectively run a business meeting, and then that might kind of give you skills to run a workout more effectively. But I just think we've been able to build that experience based on what we did before, which is why we were able to come into the industry successfully. And so then I don't think age matters. I think experience matters. But I also think the mindset of coming in flexibly matters, where each one of us completely put the ego to the side and said, yo, I need to understand how to teach the best berries class, the best rumble class, the best night class. And we were all struggling through training. And it just wasn't easy. It was new stuff. I had to understand how to teach a spin class, BPMs, understanding the beat drops, all that good stuff, understanding how to change the high hill um, for a bike and a, and a treadmill at the same time. So we came in with the mentality of like, all right, let's just get better, which is number one thing. If you don't come in that way, I think you're kind of setting yourself up for failure because someone's better than you. So just learn from them and then understand that. Um, but I just think it's about experience and mindset. I don't think age has anything to do with it. And then to get to your point about just being men in the industry, um, I don't think we've had you know too much of an issue with um, any anything from relating to just being men in the industry. Um, I do have a point on that actually. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, so when I was, uh, I mean, not when I was, but when I was in the studio at Rumble. <laughs> Um, versus being at home, um, you know, one of my, I guess you can call it my coach, um, or like my Rumble mentor, um, my coach was telling me that they did a survey one time um, of clients about instructors, like concerning instructors, and um, the majority of people prefer male instructors, right? At least in this specific survey, right? Um, and women get it like, you know, like just a much harder time kind of, you know, being like a likable instructor um, versus men, right? Because it's like, you know, men are, I think, you know, the, the, the conception of men at least is that like, you know, it's okay for them to like yell at you and stuff and be a little more aggressive, right? Um, but like a woman does it, it's like, you know, I don't want to say it, but like she's con they considered to she's be a, a bad thing. And there we go, you know, I mean, I was doing curse. We can curse. <laughs> there we go. So, you know, people call her a bitch, right? So it's like, you know, I think a lot of my, um, a lot of my peers at Rumble and then like in the industry in general, um, we're very much like, you know, I think a lot of the time disadvantaged because of things like that, right? Certain perceptions of how women are supposed to be and how men are allowed to be, right? So just like, you know, hearing her, her take on that was like, you know, she said, yeah, men have it easier in terms of being group instructors um, and getting people to like them more and come back to their classes more like that, right? I mean, you know, it was, of course it was like, it was one survey, but I think, you know, it sounds like, um, you know, according to my other friend experiences, that it's not like it's an uncommon thing. Um, so I've certainly heard that uh, before. Yeah. And I mean, even from personal experience, I, my studio is all girls, but whenever I, and that's not because we're like, we hate men. It's just because <laughs> a lot of guys in the suburbs, because Strad's obviously in the suburbs, guys in the suburbs don't do rhythmic spin and they're not really interested in what Strad is. They're like, oh, it's a place where my girlfriend goes or my wife goes. They're like, the only guys that really go are boyfriends and husbands of the clientele. Right. And like, occasionally we'll have a couple guys um, but it's really just not a thing that a lot of guys in the suburbs do. So I know that whenever I take classes in Center City, I always prefer to take a guy's class because it's just something that I don't get to do on a daily basis in the suburbs. And I know a lot of people agree with me on that too. Like, it's just not what we're used to. So it's more fun for us. Like, it's just, it's different than what we're used to. Um, and I definitely agree. Like guys can push you a little bit harder and it's like, oh, it's okay. Cause they're a guy. 
But if a girl does it, like, it's true. Like, oh my God, she's such a bitch. Like she was yelling at us, but it's like, oh, well, a guy can yell at you too. So I totally see what you mean. Um, and I didn't know about the survey. So I'm glad that my thoughts are valid. Oh, I, I can't tell you the facts in the survey, but you know, she told me about it. So. Yeah, no, I'm glad because I had no idea. Um, all right. We're going to wrap it up in a couple of questions, but I just want to know about priorities and sacrifices that you guys have made to make fitness full time. Obviously it's a non-traditional route. Um, money isn't guaranteed every week or, you know, during COVID, like you might lose clients and then you don't know where your next paycheck's coming from. It's a very, it's not traditional. Um, so what kind of sacrifices have you guys made to make fitness full time? Have your priorities shifted? Has your social life suffered? What's that all about? Job security. <laughs> I feel like, um, well, there's two ways to look at it, right? Uh, the first way, and especially coming from um, pre-professional school like Penn, job security in the sense that, oh, I'm at a salaried employee. There's no guarantee that I'm going to make money. I don't know how much money is going to be this week. It could vary from week to week. Maybe this week is no money. Maybe this week is a lot of money. Um, but just that when I say job security, I mean security in the fact that you're going to get paid or make that money. Um, as opposed to uh, determining how much money you're going to make in a week or how much money you're going to do in a month or in a year. Or um, when you take off, now it depends on how you set up your business, but when you take off, maybe you stop making money because you have to work to make money, right? Um, but I think uh, for me personally, I'd much rather have the ability to make a whole bunch of money doing what I want to do as opposed to always hitting that cap um, and I can't do anything about it regardless and it's just like a I think part of it is just I like being in control and having that quote-unquote freedom to do whatever I want to um and to to change the amount of money the amount of income and at the end of the day it's not about only making money but that's something that is like an important factor um and I've actually had conversations with people that were like yeah I personally just don't like uh I would never want to own a business and I was like why <laughs> and uh, she just told me like yeah I just like I prefer things structures that are in place um, I, the rules are already there. I can go in, do what I have to do and leave. And I was like, that makes sense. I actually really understand that. Me personally, I'm not like that. <laughs> but I, it makes sense to me um, that that's, a, that's the perspective you might want to have. Um, but when it comes to like sacrifices, yeah, job security is one of them. Um, a social life, I honestly don't feel like people think, oh, you know, you guys have to wake up so early for your fitness or whatever and do this or that. You can't go out and have a good time. But when, when we think about it, like, we have some of the most social jobs you could have of any sort. Like, I mean, yeah, I guess if you work at a desk all day, you could, you know, socialize on the phone and <laughs> business meetings. But I literally get to see clients and new people every single day. And I consider that to be one of the most social jobs you could possibly have. Um, sure, I might not go out every single weekend or even want to go every single weekend because I'm tired or I have things to do or I'm running my own entrepreneurial business and I have to make sure that this gets done first. Um, but for me, that doesn't really feel like a sacrifice because I'd much rather be doing that than going out to, you know, mission and getting tacos or whatever. <laughs> I don't know, know, man. Going to mission is fun. <laughs> but wait, 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 but I'm just saying, like, in terms of those priorities, it doesn't even feel like I'm prioritizing it because that's something that I would prefer to do. Um, and obviously, I, I like having a good time with my friends like anybody else. But um, choosing this lifestyle, I think the benefits of having the freedom and to enjoy what I, what I do and kind of decide how that, how that goes. Um, one of those trade-offs is, yeah, sometimes you need to make sure that this gets done first, that that gets done first. I don't really get to leave work at work. Work is literally whatever, wherever I am all the time. Um, I take it home with me. I sleep on it. I wake up and I do it again. But um, I mean, there, there are definitely some sacrifices, but 
for me, they're always going to outweigh the, the, the pros are going to outweigh the cons. And I think when it comes to even seeing those cons about the perspective that you have and kind of how, how you handle that. Well, I'm going to jump in and just say that it's a sacrifice. <laughs> it is a sacrifice, but... Um, no, no, no. Like, the, so, the social thing, like, I really want to, like, you know, like, emphasize this. I think a lot of people don't understand the schedule behind fitness, right? And I say this because I've had multiple friends kind of be like, you know, all like, you know, you never want to go out. <laughs> and I'm like, I got to wake up tomorrow at, you know, 4, 5, 6 a.m., right? Like, I can't. But, like, you know... I think when they understand that is, you know, it's like, you know, I totally get it. Like, you got to do your thing. That's it. You make your money. But I've had friends that don't understand that. Right. And I do think that is, you know, it can be a little frustrating to be like, look, like, it's not that I don't want to like hang out with you. It's that I can't. Right. And I think that is a sacrifice that, that's true. Um, yeah, that's that true. isn't always understood. Right. Um, and I don't, I don't really like, you know, obviously it's not like I'm mad at them. Right. But I, I do think there is, um, you know, there can be a lack of empathy sometimes, right? It's just like, you know, obviously I chose this, um, but like not everybody has the same sort of like, you know, nine to five structure with their job, right? I might be working at 6 a.m., might be teaching a class at 8 p.m. You know, it's totally buried. Um, so I think, you know, working around that and understanding that there are certain sacrifices in that sense that are going to be made, um, something you have to choose and live with if you are going to be a fitness instructor, right? That's really the are. Oh, I'm so lucky. Um, so I think I've had to, I've been able to see the opportunity cost of this venture, this, you know, going to Trio Fitness through the lens of knowing that I could have gone into corporate. Um, and so for me, you know, while there's a lot of sacrifices, the social stuff, I think a lot of people have to sacrifice social life anyway. Um, you know, here and there, I think we have to do it a lot more, um, just because of the late night or the early mornings that we typically work. But for me, I think about just sacrificing the money and the luxuries that certain people enjoy. Maybe it's a nice meal at a restaurant, maybe it's a vacation. And I haven't taken a vacation in a, in a pretty long time. And I'm, I'm young, like I don't really mind it, but I just know that when people are talking about taking trips for you know, the summertime or going X, Y, Z, I'm not really in that conversation. And I don't really mind it. It's just a sacrifice that I'm making on the front end. So for me, the money and the luxury, the travel, that's all a sacrifice on the front end because of the fact that we're trying to build this business trio fitness once it's up and running once it's built you know then that's when the freedom comes back but i see it as an investment curve but right now we're still going down on that curve and in the next few years that curve is going to start to shoot up um where now we're making money in a passive and active way where i can afford to take time off and so now i also make more of the money that i want to so i've sacrificed i've foregone the salary of you know 80 to 100 plus K per year to, uh, you know, make a lot less than that and also have to eat a certain way, you know, buy groceries every week instead of going out to eat at restaurants. Those are the sacrifices that I kind of notice on the regular day to day. But those are also the sacrifices I know that are going to come back later as the investment starts to pay off when I'm like 27, 28, probably even early, way earlier than that. Um, but I'll be able to live the lifestyle that I want to because of the sacrifices um, right now. So really for me, it's just money and luxury and some of the social stuff. Those are the main sacrifices I feel on the day-to-day -day basis. But again, it's all stuff I know that's going to come back to me tenfold later down the road. Yeah, no, and that's such a great mentality. Um, it's also good to like touch on that you said, Khalil, how like this isn't, we we work at times where people are typically done working for the day. So like Saturdays, Sundays, weekend mornings, uh, summers, early morning, 
after work. <laughs> like those are our prime time hours. Cause that's when mm-hmm. a lot of the people like the nine to five crowd can take classes, can train, you know, whatever. So the, all the times that other people look for vacations and breaks, that's when it's the fitness industry's like go time, you know, in the middle yeah. of the day, that's when you kind of take a nap, which is super weird. Like naps <laughs> are a huge thing in the fitness industry. And, you know, it's, it's definitely a different type of culture, um, and work environment that I think a lot of people are used to. So I'm glad you guys touched on that. Last yeah, question. Actually, I think I want to say one more thing about oh, that. Yeah, um, go. I think, I think it's funny. A lot of the times I say that my schedule is made up of everybody else's, everybody else's like schedule, if that makes sense. So it's like, I don't choose when to train somebody. I mean, you can, you have a window, as you can say, but like, you know, you train someone that can do before they go to work or like after they finish work, right? Usually a midday client is tough unless they're an entrepreneur, you know? Um, Cause it's like usually in the office, if they come to like, you know, the class, you know, at like 12 PM or 1 PM, that's different. Um, but I think it is funny how, like you said, you know, our schedules are made of everybody else's off times. That's got to be the on time. You know, it's like, that's why we can't hang out, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I just think it's funny like that. <laughs> and people who aren't in the industry don't get it. Like, I mean, yeah. I teach Saturday at 8 a.m. And that's like a prime time slot. And every Friday night, my friend's like, let's go. I'm like, all right, we can go. But like, I got to be in bed because like, I got to get up early. Like, it's just, it's a part of the fitness industry. So if anyone wanted to get started, whether it was to teach or to be entrepreneurs, personal trainers, whatever it is, do you have any advice for anybody? Um, my advice to entrepreneurs who just want to give value is to just to start to create. Um, I always say that people will give you an opportunity just like people gave us opportunities, but you have to be able to demonstrate that you are prepared for the opportunity. So it's like the reason that we were able to get our, our studio training gig straight out maybe six months after we graduated was because we had been posting content consistently on Instagram and social media to where someone can come in and check on us say yo they're killing this or they do really well with this if no one can see that then no one can give you the opportunity that you want to build um so my number one piece of advice is just to start create start to add value because someone will see it and someone will give you the chance because someone else was given a chance they gave that person a chance so everybody kind of always is looking to more or less, I think, give people chances if they see that they deserve it. Uh, yeah, it's Khalil speaking. I think um, my biggest piece of advice, I'm super, super, super service oriented. Um, we talked about it being in the service industry. I've been, I've kind of, ever since I started studying marketing um, when I was, I think, a freshman or a sophomore, um, what I've understood about it is that it's all about the service, right? I mean, honestly, you know, beyond having, you know, a quality ad, a service will sell itself if it's good enough. Right. So it's like, you know, someone's going to tell their friends about it. Someone's going to say, like, that was the best it's ever been for me, or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, so I think having a quality product, um, whether that's, you know, an ebook or whether that's, you know, the class you're teaching, you know, how do you provide an experience that is just so good and almost like a cut above the rest, um, at least in some kind of aspect, like we were talking about before, my kind of being yourself, whatever your lane might be. Um, how do you provide that service in such a way? that it is just so top notch and so, so top tier that, you know, you're giving, um, at least in sales, this is how it's kind of like, you know, a lot of times described, you're giving 10 times the amount of value that somebody, that you're charging somebody, right? So if you're, you know, if your service is $10 and you're giving them $100 of value, right? So how do you serve somebody that way? And you'll never, ever, ever have an issue with getting clients or like, you know, selling products or building classes because it's that good. So I think, you know, how do you consider, how do you consider your, your service and how, how, um, how big that is and how to give somebody 10 times the amount of value than you're charging them. I think that's huge. Yeah. And I would say you just got to start like 
and it's not, and I say that it's not easy to do, but the main thing is people overthink it or, oh, you know, maybe this won't work out and maybe I want to try this instead. But if you just start with, and try something, um, you'll either figure out that that's not what you want to do, or that's not how to go about it, or you'll keep pushing it because, hey, this was cool. Let me keep doing this. But I think a lot of people, and people ask um, me and ask us all the time, like, oh, how did you guys get into fitness? You know, um, I'm interested in this or, or people literally all the time. Um, I want to be a berries instructor. I want to do this. I want to do that. And I'm like, I'm like, yo, you just got to like submit the application or, or start doing this or start teaching classes here. Somebody on Instagram um, messaged me like, Hey, the opening of berries and such and such. Um, you know, how, how did you get to where you are? Is what, what should I do? And I'm like, well, do you teach classes? Like, do you, do you do X, Y, Z? No, I don't do that. Well, you can start like, like you just go for it actually start to do what it is where you want to get to right whether it's start working at a gym because you're close to fitness class you can watch fitness instructor to start doing this put yourself in a situation that actually is conducive to where you want to go whether it's actually doing what you want to do or being around what you want to do but um i think the main thing is stop thinking about it and start doing it um to actually get the ball rolling but a lot of us just you know don't start. I think that's one of the, one of the things that I would tell, tell you is just go for it. hundred percent. A lot of people are scared to take that leap, but it's, it's what you have to do. If you're going to follow your dreams and what you want to do in your life, you just have to start. I think that's great advice. Yeah. And sometimes it's not even a leap. Sometimes it's just, Hey, take the extra hour. You were messing around on Netflix and <laughs> right. you know, put it into doing something else. Um, right. And I, as, as now as someone who came straight out of college and started entrepreneurship, I would not um, recommend that if you already have that full-time job doing X, Y, Z, just to stop, you know, and go and, and, and dive into it. But um, take, take, everyone's got a little bit of extra time in their hands to start doing whatever it is they want to do. Um, so use that time and actually make it worth something that you, you're interested in as opposed to, oh, you know what? I got one more episode of, uh, you know, Game of Thrones. So let me finish that up and waste the next hour of my, <laughs> hour of my time. Yeah, no, if you want it bad enough, you're going to go out and make it happen. Right. Like for sure. Guys, thank you so much for being on this episode of The Stride Effect. Uh, before we go, pimp yourself out. Where can people find you? What are your socials? What is your schedule? Hit us with it. We're Trio Fitness on all platforms. We got Instagram. <laughs> Trio Fitness, spelled T-R-I-Y-O Fitness. Trio Fitness. Um, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> you know, TikTok's starting to move a little bit, you know, so definitely hit us up on that. Watch us on there, yeah. <laughs> Website is www.triofitness.com. Find us some more information about us there. Email is triplets at triofitness.com. Um, and then schedules, we don't really, <laughs> I mean, we all do personal training. If you want to hop on, uh, you know, just personal training with us for sure, DM us, send us an email. Um, we're getting our uh, live stream schedule together. We're going to start doing um, live classes. Uh, but, you know, we're not in the studio right now. So hit us up on the socials. You'll see the schedule. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. Uh, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to follow Stride on Instagram. That's at Stride Spin and Fitness. Stride Cialis at Stride CIL. And once again, I'm your host, Brady Simone. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. Bye, guys. Bye.